Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of perspective shift. We'll be focusing today on Acts chapter 15, verses 22 through 35. Let's dig in. When we come to this passage in Acts chapter 15, one of the things that we have immediately recognized in our reading is that there is some controversy going on in the church. And you don't have to be in church or religious circles, really, I guess, any circles whatsoever to recognize that whatever you pull people together, no matter how similar they may be, you're going to at some point or other dig up differences. And eventually, sometimes those differences are going to lead to controversies. The difficulty is maybe that oftentimes those controversies and those differences of opinion lead to lead to us not being able to, to get along with each other, to be in community with each other. And if I can use another D word since I'm on the alliteration thing this morning, sometimes uh, even it brings destruction whenever we recognize differences are unable to move past those things. And so what we've been kind of focusing on is how does the Bible seem to indicate that we should handle specific differences? And whenever there's a controversy, especially a a theological controversy, a difference of of opinion on on what God wants or, or what's the right thinking, what do we do with those things? We've encountered one of those in this passage, and it is the topic of circumcision, which was a long-standing required ritual for Judaism. Any Jew, any Israelite had to be circumcised or else they were essentially considered to be uh, irreligious, uh, irreligious. They were outside of the kingdom of God if they were not circumcised both of body and and of heart, which is both a physical of the body and a spiritual of the heart. Then Jesus comes along and seems to not focus on that. And whenever we begin to get into the start of the church, what begins happening is it seems as though God isn't requiring this free gift of salvation to have a string attached circumcision. This is a big deal because for eternity remembered, anyone who from non-Jewish background, Gentiles who came into Judaism, they would have to be circumcised or else you could not be a Jew. And even then you couldn't be a full Jew. You were simply considered a God-fearer. And so if you've ever seen that word, that phrase in the book of Acts or throughout the New Testament, a God-fearer uh, isn't just somebody who 
who fears God or believes in God. A God fear is actually a very uh, academic term that they use that meant somebody who is a full practicing Jew, except they're Gentile. So they were called God fears. Cornelius was a God fearer. And so he had been circumcised and was able to be a God fearer, but still wasn't fully, fully in until God and Peter and the rest of the apostles reckoned things to be different. And part of that difference comes here at the Jerusalem council where Paul and Barnabas essentially come to the leaders of the church and they say, you have to definitively make a statement that says there are no strings attached to the gospel. There are no strings attached to salvation. It is absolutely free. All the work has been done. There are no rituals. There are no rites of entry. It is simply by the grace and the work and the mercy of God through Jesus that you are able to be redeemed. So the council takes up the issue, Peter and James, the rest of the apostles and the elders, the, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, which are the leaders of the church, period, in those days. And they surmise that, yes, there is no requirement at all, circumcision or otherwise, to the gospel. And so Paul and Barnabas say, we really... Um, we really need to confirm that to people. We, we need to send a letter or, or some sort of a statement confirming that. So it's not just our word. It's not just he said, she said, but, but we have it in writing signed by you. So the apostles and elders together with the whole church of Jerusalem chose delegates and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision that had been made. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabas and Silas. And this is the letter that they took with them. So this is this is the statement that is clearing things up. This letter is from the apostles and our elders, your brothers in Jerusalem, and is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching. And I love this. But we did not send them. I love that the letter starts in this way. Dear John, dear Jay, dear sir or madam, dear super important followers of this new faith of Jesus Christ, we understand that there are some people who have visited your church, who have visited your small group. We understand that there are some people who have um, who have friend requested you on Facebook, uh, who have followed you on, on social media, and they have, um, to put it mildly, they have upset you with their teaching. They really made you angry, frustrated, confused, and and that's what they did to you. We we are incensed, but, but, but we understand that they have they have upset you. We didn't send them, which, which implies actually that, that the men said that they were sent and implies rather, rather strongly that, that these people who were coming and giving messages and words and instructions about how to live 
faith and practice being a follower of Jesus Christ claimed to be sent with authority, claimed to be sent from somebody who had power, claimed to have some sort of standing for what they were saying. And the apostles say, you don't know who those people are. What they're saying to you, it's crazy talk. They're lying. I love that. Not everyone who brings you a message from God is bringing a message from God. In our daily life, this happens all the time. Not everybody who says that they're speaking on behalf of the boss speaks on behalf of the boss, right? You learn this as a kid. Not every brother or sister that says mom or dad said so is telling the truth that mom or dad said so. This is this is so unbelievably and wildly important that not every when it's on the playground, it's ridiculous. When it's in the family, it's frustrating, especially when you're an adult kid and it's still happening. When you're in the workplace, it's maddening. But when it happens in religious and spiritual contexts, it's evil. It is absolutely evil. It is wrong. And it is, here's another D word. It, well, I guess I've used this one. I've run out of D word. It's destructive. It's destructive. And, and so many of us have experienced this where somebody said that they were speaking on behalf of God or on behalf of God's word, but what they were saying wasn't from God. I see this so much. Boy, I could get into and the treatment of who we love, who we're allowed to love. The strangers, the aliens, the refugees. The people who sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, I mean, pick your pick your poison so often. The the people who, who say Thus saith the Lord. It's not thus saith the Lord. It's thus saith Kevin. It's thus saying, thus saith Jim Bob. It's thus saith Shaniqua, Mary Ellen. You know, it's thus saith the person, not God. And I say that so many of us have experienced that, but the reality of the situation is, is many of us have probably experienced that and don't even know. Don't even know some of the things that we have believed or that we have held on to or that we have internalized as being from God. We're never from God. This doesn't just happen in, in theologies, you know, and beliefs. This happens even in feelings and emotions. So many have turned their back on church, have turned their back on God, have turned their back on, on faith and on Jesus, believing that they were that they were unlovable, believing that they had done too much wrong, believing that that their thoughts and their feelings and their actions and the way that they felt led them to believe that, that God couldn't like them, that God couldn't love them. And somebody, somebody placed that idea in your head as a message from God that you had no worth, that you had no value, that you were unlovable, that you were not able 
to be accepted by God or by his people or by the church. Somebody put that in your head as a message from God, and it wasn't from God. It was from someplace else much lower. So I love that the apostles point out here. Yeah, you, you've been upset, I think, from something that somebody told you that came from some place of authority. It wasn't, sorry, it sucks, I know, it's evil. But we could just tell you the truth. Now the question is, will they believe it? Will they ever be able to believe that this isn't a requirement for them? Because now their minds have been filled with trash, trash theology. And the question for a lot of the people in the world today is, will they ever be, will they ever be able to believe that God loves them? that they are accepted, that they don't have to do anything to earn that love or to be accepted by him because they, because they have been taught a lie as a message of God that wasn't a message of God. And it breaks my heart to think that so many people today may not ever be able to hear the real message from God because they've been, they've been sold trash by men who essentially wanted power and authority and were self-righteous and didn't want to be prevailers of grace, but wanted to burden others with law. So the letter continues. So we decided, the apostles write to the church and really to, to all Gentile believers, we have decided having come to complete agreement, this is unanimous, there, there was no dissent in the vote, we have decided to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because Paul and Barnabas were being essentially called heretics by these people and the apostles say, no, yeah, no, they're wrong. People can say what they want, but the truth is Paul and Barnabas, they're the messengers from God. They have a right. We're sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. And so they say we're wiping away the circumcision requirement clearly, but we want to we want to leave some things in place. And this is we, we touched on this yesterday, and I said I I might come back to it, and I flinched because this is a tough. This is a tough verse, and this is a tough topic, and I've left myself absolutely no time to... Ah. Okay, so they say, okay, we're wiping away circumcision, but we, we do want to, how did they phrase it here, uh, no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Now, the word requirement there is a, isn't a great translation of, of that word, but they are strong suggestions, their desires, their things that they really want them to do. So it's not as though, do it if you want but it's also not as though thus saith the Lord or else. You must abstain from the eating of food to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you'll do well. Farewell. <laughs> so it's almost like they've they've buttered you up with the first like three quarters of the letter and uh, let you know, yeah, we're wiping all of this stuff away and we love you. We love Paul and Barnabas. You're doing great. Don't listen to all of those crazy people. And uh, P.S. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah. Could we get a little more information there, folks? 
Uh, so how are people going to respond to this? The messages were sent at once to Antioch where they called a general meeting of all the believers and delivered the letter. And Paul and Barnabas had to be on pins and needles to see, you know, exactly how this was going to go down. And there was great joy throughout that day as they read this encouraging message. Now you may think, how can there be great joy when they're saying don't eat certain types of, um, yeah, yeah, no, I pulled up the wrong, uh, yeah. How can there be great joy in the, all right, now the computer's going to hang live here. How can there be great joy in the midst of this group of people when they've just laid on them this need to abstain from eating meat that's been offered to idols, meat that is rare and hasn't been cooked well enough, and from sexual immorality. How does that play out? Well, think about it. They have just essentially been told that they don't have to be circumcised. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of all of this, but for an adult human being to be told that you can still be a follower of God and, and not have to be circumcised, well, that is good news. So what about those other things? It's a good question. What about those other things? How can there be great joy whenever whenever they must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming meat that um, is rare, hasn't been cooked well enough, from sexual immorality? How can they how can they be happy? Well, they have just heard that circumcision is not a requirement. And I don't want to get into the nitty gr gritty details of all of this, but let's let's be honest for an adult individual the fact that there is no requirement of circumcision in order to actually experience redemption salvation a relationship with god is i don't care what i have to do if it means i don't have to be circumcised i don't care what i have to do as long as you keep the knife away from the body so you can understand that there would still be great joy. And we read these lists of things and um, we might think, yeah, but you just said that there weren't, there weren't going to be requirements or regulations. Well, these things are, the NLT says requirement. That's not a, that, that's not a great translation of this word or what the intent was. Well, that's just because you, you don't want it to be that way, Pastor Kevin. You, you've made the decision. Well, no, that's not true. Even the Apostle Paul essentially does not follow this list. If you go and look at other places in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul essentially ignores and even writes against this idea of abstaining food from eating meat that's offered to idols and says it's not a big deal. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, and so whenever we look at these things, what we're actually seeing here is we're seeing them trying to, trying to do a couple of things. And it's this, they're trying to make suggestions that are going to help new followers of Jesus be sensitive to those of weaker faith, Jews, and to set them apart from the culture. Now, it's not as though Jews have weak faith, but by weaker faith, what it means here is those who have just come to a new understanding of Jesus as the Messiah and are trying to trying to reorient their entire minds around this idea 
that now instead of following a list of laws and rules and regulations, I have, I have freedom. And so the apostles and leaders of the church are essentially saying, when you can, don't flaunt your freedom, especially if it's going to stand in the way of somebody who is who is new to the faith and maybe struggling to understand and learn these things. So they're saying, just be aware and don't don't cause flagrant fouls of faith. And the other thing was sexual immorality. They're living in a culture where where religion and sex are tied strongly together, where in the Gentile culture, the way in which you practice faith or worship or religion to the gods is through sex and prostitution and temples. And it was a very sexualized religious experience for many people. And so what the apostles in the church here is saying is we, we really want to look different from that culture. And so we need you to be cautious in your sexual morals and your sexual practices so that it doesn't get tied up into the practice of your religious faith. Because as people come to Jesus from that background, what they would do is, well, okay, I just like the Jews worship to me meant being circumcised and keeping all these laws. And so it was a bit of a mind game to say, well, now that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't have to follow all of those things, but the danger and, and the normal thing that would happen is they would try to bring all of those things in. Well, the same thing is happening on the opposite side in Gentiles coming in as it was happening to Jews coming in. The Jews were coming in, bringing all of these ceremonial laws and practices that they had done as an act of worship through their whole lives and trying to bring that into Christianity. Well, the Gentiles on the opposite side are doing the same thing. They're in danger of bringing all of these sexual practices and prostitution and, and all of these things that are in intertwined with their experience of worship into Christianity and following Jesus as well. And so the apostles are essentially saying, we need you all to know this is essentially kind of a, a new and different thing. It's a new and different thing than, than Jewish worship, and it's a new and different thing than Gentile worship. So let's try to wipe the slate clean a little bit, and let's start with baby steps. This Bible study on Perspective Shift is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes, and we'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, that simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, we'd love for you to join our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, 
The podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ's Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on perspective shift. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, well, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.